Hello and welcome to Frequently Asked Questions from the session, Cosmetic Dermatology, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Today we are joined by Dr. Johnette Kirai. Doctor, before we begin, can you provide a few key pointers for our audience from today's session? Of course. What I want people to know about cosmetic dermatology is that patients are asking for cosmetic procedures, and they should be educated on which, proce which procedure is good for them, as well as which are safe for them. So today we'll talk about the safety of cosmetic procedures, and as well as patient selection. Great, doctor. So um, let's get into some of these frequently asked questions. First, is botulinum toxin safe? Yes, botulinum toxin is, is safe. It has to be used by a practitioner who's been trained, for sure, but botulinum toxin has helped us not only in the cosmetic realm with helping with wrinkles, but it's also helped our patients with pain. It helps with migraines. It helps with neurogenic bladder. It helps people feel better about themselves. And in addition to all this, it can help with hyperhidrosis. Um, it can help with many different things outside of the cosmetic or the dermatologic or the skin realm. So yes, botulinum toxin is safe. Um, it has to be used by an experienced practitioner. Should patients take biotin for hair? Biotin is a little tricky now because the biotin is used in some of the assays for some of our major medical tests, including the thyroid hormones, the parathyroid hormones, and importantly, troponin. So you want to make patients aware that the biotin they're taking can interfere with their test. Does it help the hair? We tend to think that biotin helps the hair be a little thicker. For sure, it helps with the nails. As far as it making hair grow, some people would argue yes, some people would argue no, but in fact, biotin can help the hair become thicker. So my concern with patients who are on biotin is that they don't have their other lab test being, um, their lab test being affected by the biotin they're taking. And what do we tell our patients? We tell them to stop their biotin about two days before they go for their lab test. And if they have an emergency visit to the ER, they let them know they're on biotin. What's probably the most helpful is that every patient keeps a list of their medications that they could turn in in the event of an emergency. What creams help for anti-aging? So the classic creams that help for anti-aging are the retinoids. Um, you may know them as tretinoin, tazeratine, adapalene. So the retinoids, derivatives of vitamin A, are the classic anti-agers. But we're also learning that antioxidants are good, and classic antioxidants are vitamin C, things like coenzyme Q10. Um, those are agents that are used to help patients not age. But we should think about sunscreen as a cream that will also keep away aging. So we, sunscreens are also good anti-agers. Should fillers be used in older patients? In the right setting, yes. And in fact, fillers can be very helpful periorally for patients that are older who may drool due to denture changes or the way their mouth is aging. So fillers can be definitely used in older patients. Sometimes a patient may not need a filler. They may need a facelift if they want a, a big cosmetic result. But you can definitely use patient uh, fillers in older patients. You can also use fillers in patients who may have, for example, HIV disease, who have lipoatrophy of the face. And we we and I have treated older patients with HIV disease with fillers to help fill in that lipoatrophy, the sunken in cheek look. So yes, fillers can be used in older patients. They have to, the patient has to be 
uh, selected appropriately as well as the filler. Does sunscreen matter when we are older? You know, this is a controversy that comes up at the University of Miami, our grand round session all the time. When someone's in their 80s or 90s, do they really need a sunscreen at this point? Well, we don't want a sunburn for a pain. So f to start with, we don't want someone to have um, a sunburn that causes them pain. As far as how much sun is allowed when you get older, I think patients should always wear sunscreen. But again, it is controversial with the older patients. Keep in mind that every ray of sun you get is cumulative, so they add up. So our 75-year-old might live to be 95. So those extra rays of sun when, for the older patients, they may add up to something. And, and skin cancers in older patients over the age of 90 can be associated with a fair amount of morbidity. Um, sometimes certain types of skin cancers over the age of 90 we treat much less aggressively. So should older people wear sunscreen? I would say if just for the sake of not having a sunburn, yes, and being more comfortable and remembering that cumulative, uh, uh, that cumulative effect of sun, I would say to keep using them. But I won't, I won't end this uh, line of think, speaking without saying that it is controversial. Sometimes think at the age of 80 or 90, do you really need sunscreen? And that does come up. Are chemical peels safe for every skin type? Yes, you can use chemical peels for every skin type. You just have to know which peeling agent to use. Some are safer in our darker pigmented patients. For example, salicylic acid is safe in all skin types. You can use salicylic acid on the darkest skin and you can use it on the lightest skin. So you can use chemical peels on all patients. Now, can you use every agent on all patients? No, you're not going to use a stronger peeling agent, something like trichloroacetic acid. You're not going to use that on a darkly pigmented patient. So you have to know your patient skin type, and you can tell that usually by looking at them, but sometimes you may ask some questions, and then you pick the peeling agent appropriate for that skin type. And lastly, doctor, how can hair loss be treated? Hair loss depends on the type. If you know the type of hair loss, then you treat differently. For example, a woman who's losing hair over the age of 35, 40, uh, the term we use is androgenetic hair loss, um, she may benefit from topical minoxidil. Uh, that's a good treatment. That's also a good treatment for men who have hair loss. Um, if there's a large, significant amount of hair loss, minoxidil may not help. There are hair loss conditions such as alopecia areata. We see this in young kids sometimes where they have a patch of hair loss. Minoxidil doesn't work the best for that, but topical steroids can work in intralesional steroids. Hair loss can also be from chemotherapeutic agents, and there's not a whole lot we can do with that until the patient gets off the agent. So with hair loss, it can be treated. You have to know the type, and then you go from there. Finally, for people who have bad androgenetic hair loss, they can also do things like hair transplants. And I want to do a shout out to women who have hair loss. If there's bad hair loss in a woman who has androgenetic alopecia, they can get a hair transplant. So it's not just for men. This is really useful information, doctor. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Lee.